Hey everyone, it's Adam Farkas along with Paul Farkas. Hi everyone. And welcome to another OD Wire radio show. And Paul, I have two pieces of good news for you today. I could use some good news. So, <laughs> piece of good news number one, tonight's radio show is sponsored by someone. We're going to get paid. <laughs> That's great news. Thank goodness. Um, and it's sponsored by Alcon tonight, so thanks to Alcon uh, for supporting us tonight. And piece of good news number two, Paul, this is a topic that you actually know something about. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so we, we picked the one topic that I, I, I know you love, and that's contact lenses. And uh, and so we're going to be talking all about advances uh, in contact lenses and the evolution of contact lens materials over time. Um, and so, Paul, since you've been there since the beginning. Oh, yes. It's from, it's from the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you, we should be able to have a pretty good conversation. So... Um, we're fortunate to have Millie Brusick tonight, the owner of Premier Vision Group in Bowling Green, Ohio, and you all know him because he's done ODWire webinars and about a million academic talks, so I think everybody out there uh, knows that this is going to be a pretty pretty good show tonight. Um, so, Millie, how you doing? Good, good, good. How are you guys? Doing good, doing good. So, I guess, why don't I kick things off, um, and then I'll, I'll let you two guys talk it out, because you guys know way more about this than I do, but let me kick it off by, by just sort of, you know talking about the, the two big sort of change drivers over time um, in contact lens materials. And the, the, the two big change drivers, I think, over time have been um, ocular health and patient comfort. Um, and I guess since the invention of the, the silicone hydrogel, which I guess is what now, a decade or more ago, um, the emphasis has seemed to be more on oxygen transmissibility. Um, so I guess the, the first question would be, um, how did the quest for uh, oxygen um, change the contact lens material playing field? Yeah, this, this is interesting, Adam, because this is actually something that's kind of the evolution of oxygen and the quest for oxygen has kind of followed me through my career. I graduated in 2002, so when I was in optometry school um, from 98 to 2002, this was kind of the big buzz in the contact lens world was this just like you described, this quest for oxygen, this um, ability to potentially deliver this higher amount of oxygen to the cornea. And it was really brought about by this new and at the time innovative material called silicone hydrogels because ultimately scientists knew that they could deliver a lot of oxygen to the cornea through silicone. It's just simply a high breathable material. It's highly oxygen permeable. Hydrogels have a similar property, but the difference between hydrogels and silicone hydrogels is you have to actually increase the water content in a hydrogel to increase the oxygen flux or flow to the, uh, to the cornea. Silicone actually works the exact opposite way. Silicone actually, um, as you decrease its water content, you increase um, the oxygen flux through that material. So what scientists realized was that they kind of wanted to try and marry the two technologies of the two materials, which is, which is what they did. Um, and they came up with sci-high materials. Silicone hydrogels have kind of changed the way, um, from a practice perspective, that we've gone about oxygen flux to the cornea. You know, when I, when I saw those silicone hydrogels came out, my memory shot back by my early years in practice. Uh, there only may be a few people listening that still remember the 1960s. But at that time, we only had polymethyl methacrylate, or lovingly called PMMA lenses. Uh, and uh, in those days, uh, we had very, very happy patients. Interestingly enough, you, it's hard to imagine 
uh, with the, the one single product we had, we had literally thousands of people in PMMA, and they, they were happy. So they couldn't see through their glasses for a week or two weeks or three weeks when they took their lenses out. And, uh, and when you looked under the slit lamp, there was something called central corneal clouding or lovingly <laughs> edema. However, many optometrists didn't care too much because you may not believe it, but there were many optometrists in those years that, that fit contact lenses without a slit lamp. So they didn't know what they were seeing or not seeing. Um, so one question I have is uh, what my experience when we then told the patients that, look, we, we have this new product that is a silicone, has silicone in it. It's going to let your eyes breathe and we want to switch you over. And we then moved people from the PMMA, or attempted to, into silicone. And the screaming began. They were complaining of dryness. They felt the edges. The lenses kept coating over. And many of them just pleaded with us, just please put me back into this PMMA. I don't care if I don't see through my glasses for a while. <clears throat> so one question I have, <clears throat> when going from the standard hydrogel material into the silicones, what happened? You know, that's such a great question, Paul, because the, first of all, the silicone hydrogels provided some unique benefits that the hydrogels just did not, in particular for those higher p prescription patients. And anybody fitting sci-highs and actually fitting or refitting somebody from a hydrogel to a silicone hydrogel realized very quickly that you'd see these Hybrophic, hybrophic shifts or just literally removal of some of the myopia when you put them into these higher, more oxygen permeable materials. That was a good consequence. Another good consequence, because it's not now starving the cornea for oxygen, um, you're literally seeing the regression of corneal neovascularization when they're actually put into these higher, more breathable modalities. But there's always advantages and there's always disadvantages to any modality. And one of the interesting disadvantages is that silicone just inherently actually attracts lipids. They, they like lipid deposition. They like, they like lipids, so they try and attract those lipids. So what all of the companies have tried to do is literally tried to mask the, the, height or the silicone components by really kind of combining it with hydrogel. And when they did that, they thought they came up with these kind of ideal compounds to actually put into lenses. But we all know that when we were aggressively starting to initially put most of our patients in silicone hydrogel lenses, we still had a certain percentage of people who, just like, just like you were talking about earlier, Paul, even though this is a newer, better, more breathable material, they still had a preference for their previous or their their previous contact lens material or their hydrogel material, and that was always kind of a it always perplexed me clinically as to why that was happening. And when you understand a little bit of surface chemistry, you realize that those hydrogel surfaces just tend to be very very soft. Right. You know, I have a question. We obviously know that Paul's patients complain a lot. <laughs> Being New Yorkers, they were very vocal about what they were feeling in their eyes. What have you noticed, you know, and what do you, what do you think the general trends are out there in the rest of the world uh, for patient discomfort? You know, how, you know what, what are patients actually feeling with the silicone lens? You know, Adam, this, this is interesting. Just with contact lenses in general, not even, not specifying silicone or hydrogel or silicone hydrogel lenses, but just talking about contact lens whereas in general, they're inherently uncomfortable with their lenses. Um, 
when we ask practitioners or, or when we as practitioners kind of question patients in the exam room, what ends up happening is um, patients will, some patients anyways, will rarely bring up comfort complaints. I think from a psychological perspective, um, they actually are concerned that one of the responses or one of the options that we may give them is simply not wear your contact lenses. And that's almost the worst thing you could actually tell a contact lens wearer. And because of that, I, I think from a, again, practical perspective, we don't have a very accurate perception of what patients' discomfort levels actually are. I know that I've seen, I've seen data and studies where um, researchers have actually just questioned uh, contact lens wearers with a questionnaire, and the overwhelming majority of them, between 50 to 80% of them, have comfort issues that they're simply not reporting to us. When these same patients actually went to their appointments, this is this is kind of a, a wild statistic. Only about 10% of them described any type of discomfort issues that they may have been having with their eye care, care practitioner. My goodness. So there's this huge disconnect that exists. Yeah, you know, it sounds like marriage. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, you said it, not me. <laughs> Can I respectfully have no comment to that one? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so basically, however, even though they have discomfort, vanity is, is the king here, uh, and they will continue to wear them even if they're less than than one hundred percent comfortable. Uh, and uh, but but do they ultimately do they end up well, saying I can't take this anymore, and they'll stop using their contact lenses? That's the, that's the thing, Paul. You, you you hit the nail right on the head because you said they're going to wear them, but at some at some point discomfort will trump any type of um, potential increased uh, amount of functionality that somebody might have or increased vanity that some people may perceive from wearing contact lenses. And at some point, they literally will stop wearing lenses. It's amazing. And in particular, when you look at an aging population and the need for refractive correction and ultimately the decrease in the amount of people wearing contact lenses, it, it just it doesn't make sense. And really, what seems to be the big driver of people dropping out of lenses is that comfort issue and that comfort factor. Right. Well, well, taking that into account, you know, this week, ODWire lit up like a Christmas tree um, because for the first time in a very, very long time, there is a new material on the market. Um, and I guess the brand name is Daily's Total One. Um, but it's a, a brand new material. And I think it's probably the first novel material we've seen in a very, very long time. Um, and I know, Millie, you've been working with it for a while. You know a lot about it. So why don't we just dive right into the science of this thing? Um, can you tell us all about the new lens? And, and um, you know, yeah. they were throwing the phrase water gradient around an ODYR. I don't know what, what it means, but maybe you can sort of get into it with us. Yeah, well, but, um, Adam, first of all, this I've had the good fortune of being part of some of the clinical trials last year. And we've We've had the lens for several months at this point, so we just simply had a lot of patients have the opportunity to try the technology. Um, it's interesting because to truly appreciate and understand the clinical significance of this, you really need to understand um, the science behind the lens. And, and this lens is really unique because, Adam, you said it earlier, of this water gradient technology. When you think of a traditional contact lens, think of some type of molecule that's simply being re-replicated and then made into the shape of the prescription that's required for the patient. Well, when you think of this material, which is Delafilcon A, it's, it's ultimately very, very different than that. It's literally created conceptually this, this new category 
of lenses called water gradient. And essentially what you can picture is a core of the lens that's created by a silicone hydrogel material, and its water content is only about 33%. When you look at the surface of the lens, and, and guys, this is only the six micrometers that surround the whole surface of the lens. It actually contains the water gradient in that six micrometers. And it literally goes from 33% at the core and it approaches 100% at the very outer surface of the lens. So what this means is that you're literally combining or meshing or melding the strengths of both silicone hydrogels and that water-loving, water-gradient surface to optimize the wearing experience. Practically, what we've seen is people just saying they handle the contact lens much more easier because of that silicone base. It has that higher modulus. And in addition to that, it has that remarkably high water surface, that water gradient surface that just ultimately, when you place it on the eye, it gives people better comfort and it helps them see better. So this means that it's, it's somewhat easier for a patient to apply this lens than, than some of the other lenses that seem to crumple in their hands. Is that right? This, yeah, this whole exactly, shade. You're, you're exactly right, Paul. Actually, it's it's one of the things that we. I've been surprised talking to patients about it, hearing what they're saying. It's one of the things that I didn't necessarily expect to hear because when we have um, people that have been wearing contact lenses for a while, we don't expect to hear handling as being something that they're going to comment on. But surprisingly, a lot of people actually said, "Yeah, this lens is remarkably easy to handle, and more so than my previous lens." Right. You know, you, you mentioned that it's sort of like a, it has the best properties of, of both the the, um, the silicone hydrogel and the HEMA lens. But can you tell us from your experience anyway in the clinical trials, what effect on ocular health does the new material have? Well, the, the best way to describe that, Adam, is um, it's almost like having no lens on the eye at all. Um, really, this, this thing doesn't affect the health because ultimately what we want to do is we want to provide a high amount of oxygen to the cornea. And what we also want to do is we want to provide a refracting surface that's very, very moisture-rich and something that the eyelid, which is blinking over the surface of the eye every 6 to 10 seconds, can just smooth over or blink over very, very easily. We want the surface to have what's referred to as high lubricity. Lubricity simply just simply describes the ability of two surfaces to slide over one another with, with the lack of friction. So we want it to be, ideally, we want it to be frictionless, which is what this lens surface really approaches. So you're really combining the big benefits that we always want or we're thinking about when we're talking about fitting patients into contact lenses. One, let's not disrupt the corneal physiology from an oxygen perspective. And we do that by silicone hydrogel being in the core of this lens allowing a lot of oxygen through and we want to decrease lubricity or excuse me we want to increase lubricity and decrease friction and the way we do that or the way this lens is doing that is to literally have this water gradient at its surface again almost approaching 100% water at its very outermost surface so I'm a little bit slow so I always like to, especially with new stuff try to really conceptualize in my mind what I, what you're saying um, the water gradient is actually part of the lens itself. This isn't like a coating. This is part of the lens. So my, I guess my question is, as the day goes on, how does the lens actually feel? That's, so that, that's, that's the key to this thing is I want you 
kind of to take any preconceived notions that you might have about coatings and things kind of wearing off of lenses or things peeling off of lenses or anything like that because this is inherent. This is part of that lens. So what you have is the confidence when you place it on the eye that the comfort's actually going to last not only for the first several minutes or for the first few hours or for the first half of the day, but this thing comfort-wise literally lasts the whole duration of the day. So these people ultimately will have comfortable contact lenses from the moment they place the lenses on their eyes to the moment they actually take them out in the evening. And this is actually, Adam, where we've seen some of the biggest benefits with these lenses. One of the things that I've done to really present this lens to patients, because I think it is something, I think it is something special and I think it is something different. I'll, I'll ask my contact lens wearers to actually rank their comfort um, from a scale of 0 to 10, with 0 being the worst they could picture contact lenses being and 10 being the best they could picture, the most comfortable they could picture contact lenses being. And I tell them to give me that ranking at the beginning of the day or 20 to 30 minutes after their lenses have settled on the eyes. And most patients who wear lenses would usually rank that as an 8 or above. I then ask that same question of them towards the end of the day, right, before they're ready to take their lenses out. And that number usually drops pretty significantly. So when we're following up with these patients, that's where we've really heard a lot of the benefits is that at the end of the day, I'm really not noticing that dryness that I had. And I guess I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was with my previous contact lenses until I actually tried this one. So, so this is a one-day lens, right, from, from the title of it, from the name? It's <laughs> a correct. lens you, you, you toss after you take it out. You right. are correct, yep. So the Daily Total One Contact Lens is a daily disposable contact lens, meant right. to be worn for one day and then disposed of. And, and right now, what are the parameters of this lens? You know, it's, it's interesting. So the parameter is literally one. It's one base curve, one diameter, and ultimately... Again, from a practical perspective, you'd be concerned that, um, you know, with that limited parameter approach, you may have concerns of fitting a wide range of corneas. But um, but we fit it on virtually everybody, and um, ultimately, this is the first lens we fit where we've had such a high rate of success with the lens. I think it um, just speaks to the, the the viability of the lens and the fact that when selecting those base curves and those diameters, they really did a nice job to encompass virtually all contact lens wearers. So, so just out of curiosity, what is the base curve? And what's, what's the base the... curves? The base curve is 8.5 and the diameter is 14.1 millimeters. Okay, so it's fairly large. Right. And, and, and what powers are available right now? Um, so they will be available in minus 0.5 to minus 10 diopters. And that's the that's the original power availability, and I'm I'm certain that they'll probably expand that power range as time goes on. Right. I've I've got a question. You know, we always ask this when we talk about contact lenses, and you know, you participated in the clinical trial. Did you actually ever try to refit someone into these lenses who never actually had a problem with their lenses? And if you did, what did they say when they actually tried these lenses on versus the ones they were already happy with? Yeah, so so you bring up a good point, Adam, because what you're really referring to is that complacent lens wear. This is, this is unfortunately, the majority of our patients. Um, I was talking to Dr. Caslow, and he really summed it up best, where he described every contact lens wear out there. If they're wearing contact lenses, just by default, they're wearing the most comfortable lens that they've ever tried. <laughs> it is. 
that's right. that's that's the de- that's the default scenario or situation. So sometimes people don't know what they don't know, and ultimately, at times, people associate end of day dryness or um, kind of a transient blurring at the computer screen or even more uncomfortable eyes at a computer screen as a nature of the beast. This is just part of contact lens wearing and it is what it is. Unfortunately, these are the patients that would ultimately benefit most from this type of lens design because these are the people that are going to come into our practice that, in my mind, Adam, I'm concerned that these people are teetering on dropping out of lenses because if they're not telling us about what's going on or if they think it's just simply a part of lens wear and there's nothing that we can really do about it, they're going to not necessarily intentionally hide those symptoms, but just not feel it necessary to bring those up. And when that happens, we don't have the opportunity to help them. And ultimately, these patients end up dropping out of ones where these kind of complacent wearers. From a financial perspective, um, this, this is a pretty big deal from, from an from an eye care practitioner's standpoint because every contact lens wear that drops out of lenses is a loss and a potential annuity for for contact lens wearers or for continually wearing contact lenses as time goes on. So when we're talking about these quote-unquote comfortable lens wearers or these people that aren't having any problems, these are the ones that have been most shocked and surprised at the new technology. What I've actually done in my practice, Adam, is I talk to it about every contact lens wearer who's in the parameter or or who's in the power range of this lens. And the reason why I do this is because, one, it gives that person the knowledge that there may be something better for it, and, two, makes them more open to talking about comfort issues that they might have. And virtually every patient that we've had try this lens has decided to go with the lens. So it's just provided this remarkable response from patients that we've tried it on. So did you have the opportunity to call back some people that are grief patients, the dry-eyed person, and, and here it's springtime, and I, I have still have vivid memories of GPC in the olden days uh, <laughs> where, where people had, had, had these difficulties. Have you tried it on grief patients, and, and what, what have been the responses? Yeah, that's actually a good, good, good question because, well, just to start out with GPC, these are the these are the people that appreciate the lens significantly. Um, one, it's a daily disposable lens, so it just makes logical sense to be fitting these types of patients in that lens. But then you combine the oxygen permeability and the lubricity of the surface of that lens, and it just provides these patients extra comfort. For all of our GPC patients that we've actually placed into this lens, they've all done remarkably well. For patients who have um, contact lens-induced in, dry eye or this, this contact lens dryness that we speak so much of. Um, Every single person that's tried it has improved. It's improved their wearing experience. Certainly some more so than others, but to to best kind of give you an answer on the patients that we've actually fitted with, everybody's actually improved, but to different levels. So ultimately, putting this lens on the eye, you know will improve them. We, We just need to figure out how much of an improvement that'll be over what they're currently wearing. But looking at the, this particular lens, uh, I, I'm thinking of a almost an advertising title called the morning after lens. Well, what happens? <laughs> this is why you're not in advertising. <laughs> what happens to people that, uh, that, that for one reason or another wear these lenses overnight? Is there any, uh, have you had any <laughs> issues with that? 
First of all, I agree wholeheartedly with Adam <laughs> in that I know why you're not an advertiser. That's the first point I want to make. The, 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 se- the second point is we, we really need to, to, to build the, to understand that this lens isn't approved for extended wear. It's not approved for overnight wear. But from a clinical perspective, we should have um, confidence if in fact that situation happens because of the high oxygen permeability of this lens. So again, you know, Paul, what you're really talking about is a situation where this lens truly isn't FDA approved for that utilization. But again, from a clinical perspective, if it happens, we do have comfort in knowing that it has a DK over T to support that. Right. And and now I have the million dollar question for you. You know, last night we actually had a webinar all about how to get patients to wear a daily lens um, and the strategies yeah. that you can try to pursue. It's not easy a lot of the time. And I, I, I don't know the pricing of this lens. I'd imagine it's a premium lens. So what do you think? How would you actually do it with this particular lens? Yeah. So I, I think it's from from a practitioner's perspective, I think you need to really separate this as something special. And I think you need to initially try it on yourself and try it on people in the office just to get that initial perspective. Because, you know, ultimately, guys, when we see data coming from industry, we we realize that the data is usually favorable towards the products. But when we get it on our own eyes and we get it on eyes of our family members and eyes of our people in our offices, then we get that firsthand feedback on what they're really experiencing with the lens. And that ultimately will give us confidence in the science that supports this lens. Um, so, so here's the strategy. You know, I pay particular attention to comfort with my contact lens wearers. And ultimately, I know the ramifications to patients dropping out of lenses. One, contact lens wearers inherently want to wear contact lenses. It's why they're wearing them in the first place. So if we're not uncovering comfort issues, two things are going to happen. One, that patient may lose um, faith in our ability to care for them, and they may go other places to try and get the care that they actually feel that they deserve. Or two, they'll simply stop wearing contact lenses. Neither of those situations I want to happen. So what we need to do is we need to be vigilant about identifying people who may have comfort issues. And again, I described that a little bit earlier, but essentially wearing, asking patients to rate their comfort on a scale from 0 to 10 at the beginning of their wear day or at the wearing schedule, which is the beginning of the day, and at the end of the day, and starting to identify where there may be deficiencies in their perception of comfort and how their contact lenses feel. Then what I do is, in particular with this lens, I, I make the patient aware of the fact that this lens is truly different. There's something different with this lens. And the way I describe it to patients is um, a little bit more high level than, than what we went over, guys. But essentially what I, I describe to them is I say, this is a brand new lens. It's called a water gradient contact. And literally what it has is a different center than it does the surface. And the surface literally transitions from 33% water to close to 100% water. And that's what makes this lens so comfortable for most patients. I always tell people um, part of the data that came out of a large European study, and this this one little pearl has really resonated with patients when I've said it, guys. And I tell them that in a large European study, for, a, for every 14 patients that tried this lens, 13 of them preferred it to the lens that they were currently wearing. 
Um, it's interesting how much that little t- tidbit or fact actually resonates with patients because most people are used to hearing, you know, if you're talking about a Pepsi challenge, you're talking about a two-to-one preference or a three-to-one preference. So those are numbers that they're familiar with. But when you say 13-to-one, most people almost balk at it and say, wow, that's unbelievable. And then it separates the technology and it separates this lens in these patients' minds as being something special. And then what we do is we literally will get the lens, place it on the patient's eyes, and from the moment they put it on, most most people, guys, um, say it's immediately more comfortable than the lens they had just taken out, regardless of where it is throughout the day. If they just put the, their their previous or their current lenses on and it's a morning appointment or even it's at the end of the day, they're, they're usually saying that the DT1 is actually more comfortable than their current lens. And that's how we really approach this lens and first of all, identifying an unmet patient need, secondly, explaining it to the patient and then ultimately letting them experience it. So, so now a practice management question. Uh, this is a premium lens. And by definition, it'll be a premium practitioner that handles this premium lens. Do you set up a separate appointment for a patient for a diagnostic visit for this premium lens? Or are you like many practitioners that say, here, try this on? How do you approach it in the practice? Well, that, that, that's, that's a good question. So what, what we do in our office is um, we want that patient to experience it at the time of their appointment. Um, it actually emulates the convenience of the lens as well, too, when you can get the trial, put it on the eye at the time of the appointment. And what we actually even do, too, is um, when we dispense the lens, we actually have um, one of our technicians call the patient three to five days later to see what the experience is like and then to see if it if they wish to um, continue with the Bailey's total one contact lens. And for most patients, there's an overwhelming, yes, I'm going to continue with, with this lens in particular. Right. Okay. Great. Well, you know, Millie, this half hour has flown by. Do you have any sort of parting words for us uh, or for all the practitioners out there that are listening to this? You know, I, I just, Adam, again, I've been fortunate to, again, be part of this lens very early on from some of the initial clinical trials to even having some early clinical experience with it in a non-clinical trial sense, meaning getting it on eyes and seeing what patients are saying in their real world. And, And it's been a rewarding experience. And I think this is really a situation where patient experience is truly supported by the science that's been placed into this lens and the technology that's been placed into this lens. And I would encourage my colleagues to really um, give their patients the opportunity to try this technology because ultimately what it's going to boil down to, guys, is giving your patients the best care possible, which is simply providing your contact lens where it's the most comfortable experience possible. Great. Well, thanks so much for sharing uh, this with us us today. And um, we have... Yeah, and we, we actually have uh, a whole discussion thread going on on ODWire about this. So if you're listening to this podcast either on iTunes or if uh, you're on the site, flip on over to the thread about it and we'll continue the conversation online. Yeah, this has been an exciting half hour. I almost wish I were back in the contact lens field now. <laughs> almost. <laughs> you're probably welcome <laughs> almost back <wish>. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. <laughs>